Good news. Death is conquered. Death is swallowed up in victory. This is the good news we celebrate, and this changes everything. This became the theme of every believer, every Christian, every person who came into contact with the risen Christ. The sting is gone. He is alive. He's alive indeed. And he changes lives. He's still changing lives. The resurrection changes everything. This resurrection is the theme. Everywhere you go, when you hear the early Christians, they were talking about the resurrection, and we still are. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our celebration of this coming Easter. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, The Good Shepherd That Rose from the Dead. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. The sting is gone. How wonderful, how marvelous. My Savior scars victorious. What a wonderful celebration we have because we celebrate such a wonderful event. Jesus Christ is alive. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we praise you for this and we ask you now to open the eyes of our hearts as we open your word, Lord. Speak to us and give us ears to hear, we pray, with gratitude for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. My chains are gone. My debt is paid. I hope... I hope this is personal for you, but I'm telling you, that's why we're celebrating this great victory of Jesus Christ. The sting of death is gone. The power of sin is the law, and the sting of death is sin, it says, and the power of sin is the law, that holy standard by which God will judge. But he goes on quickly to say, thanks be to God who gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Friday night, I, I just about always try to stay away from the resurrection on Friday night, but I can't. And I'm glad it's Sunday. We can talk about the resurrection, you know, because we're talking about this great victory. But Friday night, we looked at an awful scene, a dark scene, a scene of mocking, a torturous scene, dark in every way. And yet hope. We looked at a scene within the scene. We looked at those two men hanging on either side of Jesus. Picture, really, of mankind. Both of them sinners. Both of them condemned to death. And both of them, amazingly, blaspheming and mocking Jesus. But one of them heard. They both heard. But one of them heard when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he had a change of heart. And he recognized who he was. 
And he recognized who this one is who said, Father, forgive them. And he said, don't you even fear God? He said to his other fellow mocker just a minute ago. We're suffering the same situation, and we deserve it. This man has done nothing wrong. He realized the sinlessness of the Savior, and he cried out for mercy. Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And immediately, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. What a a scene of hope in the midst of the darkness. But as I mentioned Friday, it was a little sub-scene of the real scene. The scene is still awful. When you think about it, God became man and we crucified him. It's an awful scene. Death is awful. It's not some sort of friend of life. I'll make friends with death because it's part of life. It's not a part of life. It's the opposite of life, the polar opposite of life, death. It's the enemy of life. And yet, it is a part of life, isn't it? The Bible says we live, all of us lived in a slavery to fear because of the fear of death. Hebrews 2, 2, chapter chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Jesus Christ came to set us free from the slavery of the fear of death. And we have ways we communicate about it because apart from Christ, there's this ominous fear of death. Some of us deny it. Some of us avoid it. But death is common to all. It is a part of life. Somewhere... Someone, someday, will say, Scott Gilchrist is pronounced dead. It's appointed unto man, the Scripture says, once to die. And it... uh, we, we avoid it. We don't like to talk about it. We ignore it. We have ways of kind of lightening the weight of it. Older philosopher was asked about his view on death, and he said, I'm against it. I think it was Woody Allen who said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> no, we, we can, you know, but it's there. It's common to all and it's cruel. It rips us away from those we love. It takes us, just rips us. Well, I remember that ICU room that Tim was talking about, and I so appreciated him sharing. But well do I remember what that was like. It leaves emptiness. It leaves pain. It leaves a void. Uh, I was thinking, no matter who you are, no matter how much you've amassed, 
You can have everything going your way, your business is going good, your family's going good, but death is common. You can have all the money in the world, and death looms. I remember reading Phil Knight speaking years after, I think it was at the dedication of the Matthew Knight Arena in, in Eugene, but he lost his son, Matt, uh, in a scuba diving accident. And I remember him saying and becoming emotional and saying, you know, uh, people ask me, how, how, how long does it take? When do you get over it? And he said, never. Speaking as a parent, he said, never. And then he punctuated, he said, ever. And it's so true. April 12, 2006, about five years after 9-11, they had discovered, sometime earlier, they had discovered the black box that was buried 10 feet in the Pennsylvania soil of that Flight 93 that had gone down on 9-11. And they played in the courtroom the transcript, 34 minutes of impending doom and all the drama of that, but right toward the end, a female voice, they think it was one of the attendants saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Good news. You don't have to. Death is conquered. Death is swallowed up in victory. This is the good news we celebrate, and this changes everything. This became the theme of every believer, every Christian, every person who came into contact with the risen Christ. The sting is gone. He is alive. He's alive indeed. And he changes lives. He's still changing lives. The resurrection changes everything. Friday night, I was... After we'd worshiped the Lord, I walked down there and I was, and a gal came over to Chris and I, and she was radiating joy. And I knew her story, but I'd forgotten her story, but she hasn't. And she was radiating joy as she said, I was that guy on the cross, that helpless, guilty Man, that was me. She said, I remember walking by this church out of there five years ago, walking down the sidewalk, thinking, I had to go to that church. I had to go sometime, but I didn't. And I thought, no, nah, it's for church people. And she was just radiating this joy as she told me again, and I was refreshed in my memory of her story, how she came to know Jesus Christ and was born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And she went on to say, I had this little Bible that I'd had since I, I got it. It was dated in there when I was 11 years old. And I've moved a bunch of times, but I'd always kept that Bible with me. And after I'd been born again, I opened it and I looked at it. And she said, you know how the Bible says the scales fall off somewhere? And I said, yeah. She said, it did. I could read it. I understood it. And I was thinking of a friend of mine who recently told me when he came to Christ, he had a voracious appetite for the Word of God. And we rejoiced together. He changes lives. 
This resurrection is the theme. Everywhere you go, when you hear the early Christians, they were talking about the resurrection, and we still are. All over Portland, all over the West Coast, really, China, India, Africa, wherever the gospel has gone, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I got a, I got a uh, text this morning, early this morning, from Marshall Brown, one of our global outreach workers over in Ethiopia. He just got to Ethiopia, and he, was, he sent me pictures and a video, and he was rejoicing as this gospel of God's grace is reaching out. To we, he had 400 pastors whom he was awarding their MP3 player who've given themselves to this gospel as found in Romans. And he said, We've planted 25 churches in the last year. We rejoice that God's gospel, the victory of the resurrection, is going out today. This morning when I woke up, I actually thought about it. April 21st, my dad's birthday. And I started to do the math. How old would he be today? And then I thought, who cares? He's with the Lord. He is with the Lord, which is very much better. The resurrection changes everything and gives us great joy. Now, when, I, when, when my friend kind of said that, she said, it's, you know where the Bible somewhere says that scales fell off? And I said, yeah. Well, it happened in Acts 9. Saul of Tarsus hated Christ. He met the risen Christ. And it says it was like scales. Scales fell off his eyes. And we know him, not as Saul the terrorist, but Paul the apostle. Now, I want, you to, I want to let him speak today. Turn to Acts 13. Acts 13, the first recorded sermon of this man, Saul, who became Paul. And if you didn't bring a Bible, I'm glad you're, you're here. And I would just say, grab one. We've got them there in that rack ahead of you. And I looked because I, I think it's good to look at the text. Uh, and so that's on page 1104 in that particular Bible. But Acts 13, Acts picks up where the four gospels left off at the resurrection and tells what happened. And Acts is recording for us in Acts 13, Paul's first recorded message. And I want to just jump right into it in verse 26. Now, I hate to do that to a preacher to cut off the first 10 verses of his sermon. But let me just summarize it. You know, these preachers, they speak too long anyway. So he, for the first 10 verses, he kind of sweeps through their history. But let's pick it up at verse 26 and just listen. Brethren... Sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, anybody who will listen, brethren, sons of Abraham, God-fearers, whoever you are, listen, he says, to us, the word of this salvation is sent out. To us, the word of this deliverance, salvage. God is in the business of saving us from the wreckage of sin, from the mess we make of our lives. God sent a Savior. To us, the word of this salvation is sent. The gospel, that's what gospel means, good news, okay? Look at verse 32, just glance down. 
we proclaim to you the good news. You see, the gospel isn't um, good advice. It's not a set of instructions. It's not a new philosophy to live by. It's not a little rule book, a how-to, have a successful life. Uh, it's not something you do. The gospel, the good news is something that's announced. It's like breaking news. And everywhere you go, Paul and Peter and all the early epistles or apostles, and today, wherever the gospel has gone, we announce he's alive. He arose. It's not about what we do, it's what he did. And it isn't mere philosophy. He didn't just have a new way of thinking. Oh, of course, your whole worldview changes when you come to know him. When you're born again and you start to fill your mind with God's word, it changes everything for the better. We're a new creature and all things are new. But what I'm after here is that this good news is not just a new way of thinking or a new philosophy. No, it's a, an act of God in history, in time and space. Look at verse 27. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophet, this happened to real people who lived in a real place, Jerusalem. And they didn't recognize him. And so it says, they didn't recognize the things that are read every Sabbath. Think about that. They fulfilled these by condemning him. They didn't recognize what the Old Testament said. They may be heard it every Sabbath. Maybe you, maybe I have heard these things Sunday after Sunday or Easter after Easter, but they didn't hear it. And so they fulfilled these things. They put him to death, amazingly. They crucified the Lord of glory. On what grounds? We'll read on, verse 28. Though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And we talked about that Friday night. His enemies, <laughs> they couldn't come up with anything. Pilate said repeatedly, I find no guilt in him. I ask you what I asked Friday night. Have you found any flaw in him? Well, I think there's things, the church bugs me. Oh, you can find flaws in the church. I don't debate that. Have you found any flaw in this one we're celebrating, Jesus? His friends couldn't. They knew him best, and they ended up saying, he was without sin. He committed no sin. He never even had deceit. He never put a spin on anything. No, he is the flawless one. He is the unblemished lamb of God. And I ask you today, I ask people this personally, uh, and, and I give them not, not rhetorically like I am today, but personally, do you see, do you have any issue with Jesus? And I ask you that. And by the way, if you're here, and I appreciated Gary having us pray 
because I know we're all, uh, we were either once a skeptic or we are now, you know. And I'm glad you're here. No matter where you're at, where you're coming from, we're people who have found, we gather regularly because we've found Jesus Christ. But if you're here and you're still skeptical, you're thinking, I don't know about this. One thing I would just suggest to you is that not only look at this flawless one, but read the four accounts God gave us of his life. You say, well, I don't believe the Bible, Scott. I don't care. Read it as fiction. Read it as just literature. And all through history, authors have tried, even in fiction, to invent a perfect character. And it never works. Why? <laughs> because the flaw of the author comes through. So you've got somebody that's nice, but too nice. Or right, but too right, you know. Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. And these four men, Matthew, a tax collector, Mark, a young friend of Peter, Luke, a medical doctor, and John, a commercial fisherman, let's just say they concocted this just for a second. And you can read it that way. You say, how did they do this? Four perfect pictures of a flawless human, human being. Well, I'll tell you how. They were writing about a flawless human being. And the Holy Spirit guided their hands so that they gave us flawless accounts of this one. And so I often ask people who are wondering, just take a look at it and just, you don't have to believe it, just read it. And I find, by the way, and you might be in this position, that very few in Portland in 2019 have read the four short biographies of Jesus. And if you have, you know what I'm talking about. It's an amazing thing in and of itself that these four diverse authors gave us four flawless accounts of a perfect unblemished one who is indeed the unblemished Lamb of God who laid his life down for us. Well, verse 29 Though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they'd carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. By the way, hundreds of prophecies the Hebrew prophets wrote over the centuries, literally hundreds of this Messiah, detailed prophecies. And when it says there in verse 29, they carried out all that was written... In the last 24 hours, the last 48 hours, at least 28 specific prophecies were fulfilled that were written a thousand years ago. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Good Shepherd That Rose from the Dead, a message from our Easter celebration this week. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. 
Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.us. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to our new site and check it out? There will be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's abideintheword.us. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Jesus came to him and said, Thomas, see my hands and my side. And what did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. Jesus spent 40 days giving many convincing proofs because, you see, he did, he did rise. And it is important. It is essential to the good news. Verse 32, we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers that God fulfilled this promise to our children. God doesn't make promises and then not fulfill them. And he promised very clearly that he would raise his son from the dead. Jesus said it repeatedly. They're going to kill me. They're going to beat me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to crucify me. And on the third day, I will rise again. And he said that over and over. And then he did it. Join us again next time as we continue our Easter celebration. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, The Good Shepherd That Rose From The Dead. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.